WRBH Radio 88.3 FM. This is your host of Dinner Party, Chef Amy Sins. And today on the show, I have my friend, Chef Duke LeCicero, who is with Dabs Bistro, and we are recording live in Dabs. So thanks for joining me today, Chef Duke. Well, I would never miss it for you, though. <laughs> and y'all, I have to say, as soon as I walked in, he said, your best radio show happens if you pour yourself a glass of champagne. Without a doubt. <laughs> Well, so Chef Duke, I'm so glad that you joined me. And one of the things uh, for my listeners out there, we were shooting the breeze before we decided to record. And I said, you have to stop talking. You're going to tell all your stories before my listeners get to hear. I have hear. too many stories, so don't worry about it. So. Well, you know, one of the things we were talking about was meatballs. Right. And if you all follow my social media, you know that one of my favorite things is red gravy and meatballs and the meatball flatbread here at dabs and chef duke started telling me how important meatballs are and i you know i think that's something our listeners need to know more about well you know tom fitzmars who is the food critic um well he was the number one food critic for a long long time here he was called mr food he had a show and he used to come in and say that meatballs are a kid's food and i said you evidently are not Italian, because Italians, if you're, if you're from any family on Sunday dinner, you have meatballs, and we would have three different pastas, and meatballs is a way of life. And you can judge by meatballs. I mean, I mean, that's the first time I remember being in the kitchen with my dad. I had to roll them. You know, it's bad when you when you're 12 years old and you smell like garlic. <laughs> and they go, "What are you doing?" And like, "I'm rolling meatballs, man." I mean, that's how I learned. It, you know, so it, it really is a way of life. And and anybody that comes in here, man, I compare you to my my mom, or my aunties, or whatever about meatballs. Now, when I had Giovanni's in the French Quarter. I used to always ask, they used to say, is it authentic? (laughs) Don't you hate that question when people ask you, is it authentic? So I go, oh, I got to go out there. So I go out there and I would say, so you've been to Italy? And the guy goes, oh, no, no, no. So so what I said was, so that means whatever your mother cooked was authentic? And they go, yeah. And I was like, no. There's no such thing as authentic food in Italy. Every region in Italy is totally different. If you drive the car from the Amalfi Coast all the way up to Venice, it's different. Every little region is different. And I got to cook in Italy. I was very lucky. Where? I got to cook in, in um, Rome at the Seven Hills at the Cavalieri Hotel, which is a Hilton property, which is a beautiful thing. And the number one restaurant in Rome is run by a German chef that's about three feet tall with a hat. This is back in 2000, okay? And it's funny because he wouldn't even come meet me, but he, that's the number one restaurant, right? Fine dining, I mean, the court with the, with the desserts and the fruit, and I mean, really, it's beautiful. All these young little girls were working for him. I said, man, he's so lucky. These girls are the cleanest kitchen I've ever seen in my life. It looked like it was brand new, and they would clean. He said it'd take three hours to clean the kitchen every night. So a good brigade back in the day. And I got to go there, and I got to cook there, and we drove all the way up to Orvieto, which is like going back into the 1800s. Got the beautiful churches and very, very uh, rustic food, you know. And uh, that means 
if you if they say they have an AC, that means they have a window. That's how <laughs> it is. So it's a, but but the food. People from New York think whatever their mother cook is authentic food, but there's no such thing as authentic Italian food because every region is different. And the food changes constantly. If you see Northern Italian, that kind of throws you, well, it's closer to France, there's a lot more cream. If you get to Mediterranean, it's oil and seafood, totally different options. So that's when I know that, and I, I used to go to them all the time, but get them in Giovanni's and they'd say, so this is what your mama cook, that's authentic. Oh yeah, yes, yeah, it's not. But anyway, that's a funny joke. But the, with the meatballs, it is a way of life down here. Especially, we have a big Sicilian population down here. And the gravy's a little bit on the sweet side. You know, they all, ah, you sugar. If you use great tomatoes, you don't really need to use sugar. I don't like a sweet sauce. I like, you know. Because are you caramelizing, like, the tomato paste and bringing out the natural sugar? So I don't even that use way? tomato paste. Okay, it's really so this is great. Yeah, okay. so I don't use tomato paste. I use sweet marcella wine to deglaze the, the pan. And that, that's it. There's no sugar. There's no, you know, and, and if I don't have that, I'll have balsamic uh, uh, vinegar. And I use that. But it's all, you know, I use, uh, I, I don't even use Italian tomatoes. I use the ones, St. Stanislaus tomatoes out of California, which is a great quality. I can get them all the time. It's, it's price reasonable. And it's all about the freshness of, of that. So you're eating marinara. And we go back to the, here's the, here's the thing. Gravy or sauce. But that's what, okay. So for me, and, and y'all, I love that he's asking me the questions. Okay. But okay, for me, gravy is any liquid on a plate I can dip my piece of bread in, uh, okay? That's good. <laughs> because I believe in in having good bread. Sopping and, bread. And something that I can just wipe that plate clean and show the chef how much I loved it. But I call my... T I call it gravy, but I don't know if that's just because I'm from Louisiana or from New Orleans. Yeah. So gravy has to have a protein. Okay. There we if go. If it doesn't have meat or protein in it, it's sauce. Okay. Sauce. Marinara is sauce. It's vegetarian. There's no meat in it. Then you put the meatballs, the sausage, the dough, the, the, whatever you're going to put inside of it, and the pig's feet. Then it's gravy. Okay. And gravies are cooked for a long time. Marinara, 45 minutes. Well, so what that's do you... the big... That's the culinary thing there. What do you call it if you make your sauce, but you're using your meat drippings, but there's no meat in the sauce? Same thing. It's still sauce. Still got, still got meat. Oh, so now it Some turns meat. into gravy? Right. And then how long you cook it. Okay. Gravy is a little thicker, right? But a culinary crust and classically trained gravy has to have turkey gravy, roast beef gravy. I mean, you go down the road, it's got to have a protein in it. And and we say here because they cook all the meatballs and the sausage and the pig's feet. If you're real Sicilian, the pig's feet in it. Um, you know, some people say that's my secret. It's got to have a protein in it. Mm -hmm. And and people call me, you don't know what you're talking about. Well, that's the culinary. If we go by culinary terms of how you make a definition, and they don't realize they're doing it, and they're also cooking the gravy for a longer time. Now, people down here in the South, they use the tomato paste. I don't, I don't. Okay. But, um, you know, everybody has a different thing. And so, you know, we keep our meatballs and our gravy, because then it's a gravy, and you can see it just, it changes from when we put the sauce in the steam table, from the, at, 11.30, it changes to gravy as it reduces down. And that's how you get that full richness of the flavor. And you got, the, you got all the meat, the dough, and all the great stuff that comes to being from a gravy. 
Now, one thing that, uh, you know, I, I always joke, God, I wish I had an Italian grandmother. I'm so jealous of my friends who get Thanksgiving dinner and they get, you know, collard greens and turkey and cornbread dressing, but they also get pasta and meatballs. <laughs> and I'm yeah. like, oh my God, this sounds like heaven for a bread dipper. Right, right, right. <laughs> but, you know, sometimes I'll, you know, growing up, my mom would just make quick meatballs, right. not necessarily uh, authentic, right? They right. were mama's meatballs. Right. Well, that's the best ones. And, you know, depending upon the meat that was used or how she did it, sometimes they were just a little tough. And then sometimes they were just delicate and it's delicious. how much you play with your balls. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. You can't work the balls over too much. There's a small thing. When somebody's working, or they, they work in the meat too much, it becomes that problem. And okay. is it because it's warming it up and emulsifying the fat? Is it because it's just getting overworked and it's getting tougher from that I guess that I would compare it to dough. I mean, it's a kind of a terrible... But, you know, when you work the dough too much, I mean, if you, if you, it becomes tough. Um, cooking it could be over, you know, but it, it's very, you know, a moist meatball is to die for. Come on, mm -hmm. we know that, right? You know, and not everybody makes all, you know, they're all different. They're all different gravies, all different sauces, everything like that. So you go up New York, New York it's sauce. Mm -hmm. Sauce, darling, right? Mm -hmm. If you go here, it's gravy. Now, that's the difference. That's my theater my, my culinary reel of definition of gravy, it's got to mm -hmm. have a protein. But and then all the Italians will say that I'm garbage and, you know. <laughs> Someone's going to disagree with you about food no matter what you say. It doesn't say. matter, right? <laughs> because it's whatever their mama did, right? Yep. My mama, my aunt's got the best gumbo. You know, uh, you know, tomatoes and gumbo. I don't put tomatoes in my gumbo. Nope. Some, but Creole people might do it. I don't know. It, it, to me, there's no definition in food now, you know. Back in the day, if you would have took two menus from New Orleans, or, or, or you would have said you could have matched every dish on it, right? You had uh, trout almondine, which I don't know why we don't have trout pecan. We have pecans always, we don't have almonds, <laughs> right? I don't know why it come, maybe they didn't have it that day. But you have all these people who came to settle here. And I think I asked Leah Chase one time, I said, what's how did you, when you're growing in, in this business, how did you see this? He says, well, when the Creoles were, were in the kitchen, they would have German chefs and Italian chefs, and we just turned around and Creolized them. Mm -hmm. And that's a perfect definition of what they would do. They would take that concept, and that concept in this restaurant business, it, it, it's drawn around. I mean, we're infusing so much now, it's almost confusing. So what do you say to people um, <laughs> that say nobody's got a new idea in food anymore. There's no no new ideas. Everything's already been created. You have your classic sauces. You have your mother dishes. You have the things you grew up with. Um, how, you know, is there new food? Is there new style of food? And is that something we want? And are we going to lose old food? I don't think you're ever going to lose old food because we have things that happen in the world that we, we uh, I'm gonna take one, 9-11. And it was just the anniversary yesterday. And uh, it's very close to me, 9-11, uh, and I'll never forget it. And um, 
everybody went back to, you know, meatloaf, stuff that made you feel like you were home and safe and things like that. I don't think you're ever going to find that. I don't think you're ever not going to have where, you know, I'm so tired of seeing cotton candy and foie gras (laughs) and, you know, stuff like that. I think that's all new and it's all great. Maybe it works in Vegas and it may be working here for a while. I just don't see anybody coming back, you know, I want to get that photograph of cotton candy. But that's just me. But I think there's always new stuff going on, new techniques. I mean, you know, back in the 90s, you had a, a different take on it, the 2000 with the, with the, um, the, what, what am I, I can't, I'm coming up with it, the, with the bags. and the, Oh, the, the sous vide. The sous vide mm-hmm. came in, right, which hospitals were doing for years. All right. Boil in a bag. That's it. But, but and, and then, you know, people tell me how great this is and all that stuff. But that's great. There is certain dishes that need to be done like that. I'm not crazy about the, the sous vide fish. I, I really don't. I want that texture. I want that nice um, Christmas on my fish with that moisture inside. But that's just me. Chefs, what's so great about this, there really is no borderlines when cooking. I mean, that's why it's so Have fun. There's no rules, no regular, you know, back when I was growing up, oh, you got to have white wine with chicken, and that's not, that's not true, man. I have so many great red wines that go with it, or don't do this with it, or don't do that. I remember I was young, I was like 26 years old, and I had a Remy Crew dinner in Houston. Uh, 150 people, I'm doing all reduction sauces, classical French stuff, and I put on there, I was going to do a dessert with chocolate, and these people said, no way, scratch it out. So we're doing the thing. Oh, because it didn't match the wine? Well, let me tell you. He calls me out during, during uh, the dinner. And, and he says, can you bring me some chocolate? And I went, oh, you got to be kidding me. He's like, the chocolate goes with the champagne. And I'm like, your people told me not to do chocolate. And that's, you know, and that's a whole different thing. So his people don't know. He knew, right? And he... and. One of the great dentists, right? Unbelievable. I mean, to learn from this guy who's, you know, the champagne by the Queen, right? That's what they drank, Krug champagne and rosé champagne. Oh, the Krug rosé out of the park. And, you know, you just learn from these people and you try to pick their brain. But there's no borderlines on cuisine, you know? Uh, this really isn't. I, I mean, if you like it, it's great. I mean, if it's good, it's good. I mean, yeah. there's no fighting about it. I don't care if it came out of a can or if it, you got a can thing. And I know people are like, oh, my God. But if it's good, it's good. I'm sorry. If the okay. product is good or there's a product that I can't do from scratch better than what they're doing in it, it's good. That, that, that's just me. People are going to come and eat it. And we know that because every chef now has a... Is a burger place, right? <laughs> I mean, I mean, ten years ago you said do do a burger. I do more burgers here than I do, it, but but it's a good burger. But you know, you know, back in the day when I was young, oh my God! If you said chef, make me a hamburger, I was like, I ain't making you a hamburger. I got a five star. You know, it's just it's crazy. <laughs> but as you get older, and you know, I have a young chef that's out of the Culinary Institute, and man, he's hard headed. You know, and, 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 you know, I love foo-foo food, which is, but it, it, it looks great, but if it don't taste good, I don't care what you're going to do to it. And I want, you talk about sopping, I want something that is going to make me so I don't have to go eat six courses and I got to stop at Crystal Burger. Okay? <laughs> it's so funny that you say that because my husband and I have had meals like that where we've 
you know, your palate is entertained right. and you've in, enjoyed the process, but I, I'm a hearty eater. And my husband is a big boy and yes, we, we, need, we need food. Right. And I'll never forget, we took his parents to eat at a restaurant and had this, like everything with tweezers and a little piece yeah. of grass. And it was gorgeous, it was art. And I loved the experience, but I was starving. And we went through the Burger King drive-through, and is I, you know, I, I wanted to just go back and see, can we get a little more balance? You know, a little more balance because I truly enjoyed that experience, but it was for the experience, right. not the fullness right. of it, right? Right. Because right. you know, you're spending a hundred. You know. Let me tell you, I've been to some great tasting menus, and I've been to some ones that I said, yeah, well, they tried to do this. I don't ever knock a chef. I, I really don't. I, I try not to even tweet about it unless the, it's so bad that you know that that I have to I have to say, you know, what's going on. I will pick on them if they put like corn in their gumbo or something oh, like that. Yeah. I, there's there are some lines I'm willing to cross, but yeah, I'm that, the same way. But what about if that stale little twist on? That little conception of what they think gumbo is. Right? Well, if they call it a gumbo inspired soup, I can fully support there it. Go. There you go. But I like it, the way you said it. But, soup. but if it's if it's authentic, authentic, gumbo, traditional, there's a point where I got to draw yeah, the line. That's true. Um, You're born and raised here, though. Right? Yes. See, that's a difference. So you that's know, there's South Louisiana in our soul and yeah. our food, and you know. How many chefs have you known right now? That are hot in, in New Orleans that are actually born and raised there. I know a handful. That's it. Mm -hmm. That's it. And, you know, I I like to think this, and I'd love to hear your thought because you've studied out of town. Your son has studied out of town. Yeah. I think it's exciting that we have the opportunity in New Orleans that when I go to places like Arno's, I'm going to sit down. I'm always ordering the turtle soup. I'm gonna get the smoked pompano, I'm gonna get the shrimp arno, I'm gonna get the crab meat Karen. Like I have, I don't deviate right. from what I choose to eat every single time I go to Arno's. But then there are other restaurants in town and I'll go, you know, maybe Susan Manic is cooking or someone else and I'm going, oh, I gotta try special. There's something new, there's something innovative. Right. So I feel like we've had this opportunity here in New Orleans where we get to embrace the classics, but people who are studying out of town or coming to New Orleans and working in the old school restaurants, right. but then going out on their own, we now have two choices right. that we well, do. Have, have. You have the Grand Dam restaurants, mm -hmm. which Arno's, Antoine's, uh, Galatoire's. Those are my three. They've been here for since the back of the day. Um, they've, they've, they've had to change. Uh, but you know you can go there and get the palm frites with some mayonnaise and some ramelade sauce and stuff like that. Those are the go-tos that are classic and they won't ever change. I don't think they should. But, nope. Um, it, you, you'll see. And then you have this new coming in, these new group of cats, that young chefs. Because you know, I'm, I'm 61. I used to be the chef of the future. Now I'm sitting at the old table now. I mean, it's like, wow, I've been doing this for so long. It's that revolution of coming up and, and new stuff. What I'm afraid of is it's gonna stop because there's not enough people getting in this business that wanna do what they want. If you're passionate 
and you got a passionate chef. Here's that we're gonna stop until, and like I said, when I retire, I'll probably die in the kitchen with my chef knife, like a Viking, right? <laughs> he said, okay, you're gonna die? Can I have my sword? I'm gonna die with my chef knife in my hand, and I'll probably die of a heart attack back then. They'll all look at me and go, oh, okay, well, chef. Over a pot of red gravy. There you go, <laughs> or, or something. You know, or, or maybe in the middle of a dinner, 300 dinner thing, right? So, but that's the way it is, right? Passionate. You know, I, I, the only, and I, I say this all the time, the new people, uh, the new kids are going in, are coming into this business, are changing, and they, you know, it's, it's a whole different, you know, I, I worked under German, Italian chefs that just, you know, always, oh, American people are lazy, and I was a wise cracker. And I used to say, why are you living here? And I used to get, you know, there's a scene in where I'm with Andrea, and uh, I take him out, and uh, we play tennis. And the next thing you know, I'm in the I'm shucking oysters for three weeks. <laughs> Never beat the chef, right? Never beat the chef. Never done. I learned that. But you learn now. It's a whole different world of how people are being treated. And like you said, you're watching those shows, and you see those shows. When you see how much pressure is on the chef, and how much you know, and especially when you own a place, and it's your business. Mm -hmm. Because I keep telling young people, think like a owner and not an employee, and you'll become an owner one day. If you always think like an employee, screw that guy, do that, I'm not doing that, I ain't doing it. You're never gonna, you're always gonna be in that brigade and not make it to the top. Because there's plenty of people, there's plenty of room in this business right now. There's no help. Nobody, you know, I used to have a line of people I could pick from. and. I used to say, I used to interview people. Now, I'm, I'm actually sell selling myself to them. Hey, you know, I'm a pretty Pick good me, chef. pick me. Right. You want to work at my yeah. restaurant it's now. It's crazy, isn't it? So it's a whole different world in the culinary world. But I think what's great about what we do is there's never one blueprint. There's a bunch of blueprints. There's a bunch of different things. And, it, and like I said, if it's good, it's good. It's great, it's great. If it's wonderful, it's wonderful. If it's bad, it's bad. Yep. And I think, you know, for me, I, 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 am, I feel like I'm falling in the middle of mm -hmm. two generations, That's right? True. And uh, I'm seeing the younger groups come in and I'm seeing other people retire from the industry. But I'm also seeing both groups re-energize each other yeah. in that way that they can across generations still talk about the same thing like cross you know they understand they're just using different techniques and to watch the aha moments when i'm even just dining in a restaurant with someone who's a chef and they ask about how this was made or right. what flavor was used and to see these aha moments um i'm hopeful that it's gonna keep the energy in this industry so I, I agree with you. I think that the energy needs to keep going. I think that, you know, you keep pushing yourself. You keep pushing. It in. Look at me. I'm still 61. I'm still working the line. Who would have thought that at 61 that I would still be working the line? At Giovanni's, I worked the line during the day, and then I was the expediter, right? Because I was the guy orchestrating what's going on. You got to put your thumbprint on everything. But we had guys that could put out 300 people in a small kitchen. I mean, that's what we had that GMI's. It was, the kitchen was terrible. Um, but we did what we had to do to survive and it was a great place. But the problem is keeping consistent. Now, 
I'm not going to please everybody. I'm going to have that one guy who ate that and said, oh, yeah, if you like uh, if you like microwave food, you know, it's all like that. I had one guy go, hey, uh, if, if you like Olive Garden. Well, Olive Garden's very successful. <laughs> so if you want to compare my food to Olive Garden, I'll take that. I take that level of consistency. There you go. And <laughs> right? Because you know you're going to get the breadsticks in the thing, and that's what you go for. But... You know, and I love the commercials where they're all trained in Italy. You know, that's okay. Oh, the guy that's at the Red Lobster comes out. He's in the chef outfit, and he's got the lobster, and he's got the mask. Those <laughs> I don't think commercial. they've had a real lobster yeah. at Red Lobster. No. Anyway, <laughs> but, hey, it lasted a long time in Metairie. It mm-hmm. lasted a long time. So there's got to be that niche, right? So, yeah, I mean, there's a place for everything, right? There's a place for fried chicken. There's a place for Popeyes. There's a place for who I thought was brilliant was Canes, mm-hmm. right? But I watched I watched Canes go from when they started to what it is now. It's different. It's different. And then now you're talking about the inflation and eggs and now everybody's trying to they scramble on how to make it make it work, right? Oysters are $110 a gallon. Yeah. Crazy. Crazy. And that my friends is why it costs so much for for your uh, oysters Poached in pernose sauce over over pasta. There you go. It, it is, and it's it's not. As, and that's why I try to give a nice portion. You know, I went to a restaurant in Destin. I'm not going to mention it. Uh, we were splitting because I'm I'm trying to lose this weight. Um, I'm 33 pounds down. I'm very excited about it. So me and my wife split up uh, entree, which you know a lot of people frown on, but you know we we spend a lot of money. If we don't do it in food, we we killing it with the cocktails, right? So. It was a piece of fish over mashed potatoes with greens, which is the cheapest vegetable you can do. You can do it right, but it's greens. Uh, the fish was on top. It was about a six ounce piece of fish, two shrimp, and maybe an ounce of crab meat, $50. Now, they would run me out of metery if I did that. So you get a nice portion of crab meat when you come to my place and they go, oh, it's, it's a lot of food. Yeah, but you think about me twice, right? Mm-hmm. You eat it tomorrow. And your leftovers yeah, tomorrow you know, morning. <laughs> to me, leftovers are important. My wife couldn't eat a, a leftover if you gave it to her. It's breakfast if you put a fried egg yeah, on you know, top. <laughs> it, you know, it's, it's, it's so true. But if you, and I told you, we have to bring back the chef round table where chefs all get together on a Saturday night, have a few cocktails, and they, and they realize that what's happening to them is not just you. It's it's global. I mean, help. and to share those ideas on the, the solutions on how to adjust that crab meat and how to adjust that oyster to have a it? delicious right. dish that people you know, really enjoy. Even chicken is expensive now. So you know, we're saying and, and, and listen, uh, you have to have purveyors who are behind you and that you can do. And as, as it all turns out, you got to have a guy that knows if he's going to get the crab meat, it's going to be the best crab meat he's going to ever do. And what we do here is we don't, and, and how we started at Giovanni's, we didn't have a walking cooler. So we bought fish seven days a week. And we bought 10 pounds. If we sold out, sorry, we're out. We said, same concept here. We don't buy, you know, we buy, because I know I can get a delivery six days a week. So if you can do that, that's great. Keep it fresh. Simple, stupid kiss. Keep it simple, stupid, right? So I love this, and we're all out of time, but I want you to tell everybody how they can go to Dab's Bistro and when you're open, and uh, so we can get them here to enjoy your food and passion. Downtown Metairie, and I say it's not in Fat City. It's across the street. 
we're right by the post office by Lakeside Shopping Center. So, you know, everybody's coming to, to shop. I mean, it's the number one shopping center in Louisiana now, I would take it. Um, come see me. We're open Tuesday through Saturday. So Tuesday through Friday, we're open at 11.30 for lunch, and we don't close until 7.30, 8 o'clock on a weekday. On Friday night, we stay open from 11.30 to 9 straight through. Come in here if you, you have it. Uh, come and have it. Uh, come have some meatballs. Come sit there. You have some meatballs and martinis. Uh, we have, uh, uh, you know, everybody keeps asking me, when are you going to bring the opera singers? Well, it's not, it's not that. But come over and see me at uh, dabsbistro.com. I uh, got a great new website. Um, I'm most of the time I'm here. I'm sitting in my office or I'm in the kitchen. So God bless everybody and thank you for giving me this time. Uh, and I love talking to you. I love talking to a chef that is passionate and loves what they do. It shows, right? Well, and, and I have to get back to that because sometimes I'm I open three months and then COVID. So I, sometimes I go, why you got a Fungio in your face? I say, well, you, we don't have that much time. But anyway. Well, thank you so much. Uh, for our listeners out there, you've been listening to WRBH Radio 88.3 FM. My guest today is Chef Duke from Dab's Bistro. Make sure you get out to Metairie and enjoy it. Until next time, ciao.